I'm Kat Harris. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm an educator, brand strategist, and content creator. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful dialogue. It's a place where none is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where the journey is the destination. So I invite you to leave your Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is messy and beautifully imperfect. We all have a story to tell, and I want to hear yours. Hey friends, we want to invite you to be a part of the Refined Collective Podcast tribe. Patreon is an incredible platform that allows artists and creatives to raise funds that empower them to do their craft with excellence by giving you, our audience, the opportunity to sign up for monthly pledges. You can sign up for as little as $5 a month. Our Patreon tribe has first access to our latest episodes, as well as information and insight concerning all things Refined Collective podcast related. Please check out our page and join us in empowering us to continue to create meaningful episodes, interviews, and content for y'all. You can find our page at www.patreon.com forward slash The Refined Collective. Welcome to this week's episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. And this week I am talking to Joanne Encarnacion. She is a mom, a wife. She is into health and wellness, beauty and lifestyle. Her brand is Go Fit Joe. And she is a newly integrative health and life coach and was also named one of San Francisco's top 20 wellness role models by Ariana Huffington. How amazing is that? We had an amazing conversation. She is sharing about self-love, the messiness and reality of marriage and parenting, and the difference between body positivity and diversity in the health and fitness realm. I cannot wait for you to hear more about this woman and her story. So here we go. Hey, Joanne, welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. How are you this morning? Oh, I feel good. I got my workout in. I'm showered, which is a real a big accomplishment today. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like when I, I shower, it's a good day. <laughs> so no, seriously, that's like one of the tidbits about freelance world, right? Like you can kind of come and go as you please. And then you're like three o'clock rolls around and what, did you did you take care of yourself today? <laughs> True. I mean, it's one of the things I love about owning my own business. I'm in my yoga pants and sports bra right now because I'm like, well, I will work out eventually today. So right. <laughs> <laughs> why wear another outfit? <laughs> Seriously. Why have to do double laundry? Exactly. Let's be intentional about our laundry. Use. Right. <laughs> um, I want people, before we really dive in... And I think it's funny, you and I were just chatting before we went live. Like, I'm so excited to get into the nitty gritty of what we're going to talk about. But before that, I just want people to know who are you and why are you? Why do you do what you do? And what are all the different roles that you're playing in your life? Um, So 
First and foremost, I'm uh, the editor and founder of Go Fit Show, which is a health and wellness blog that's really trying to redefine um, what it means to live relentlessly and redefine health and wellness in my own way. Um, Go Fit Show started off as a personal blog to just document my health and wellness journey about four years ago. And when that started, I, I was really kind of in this I was really in this funk. Like I was, I was depressed. I was going through an anxiety or through anxiety and, you know, on paper to the rest of the world, I had it all. I had an amazing job at the startup company called Visco. Many people probably know the app Visco and use it. Um, I was the director of community and curation there, and it was a great job. Um, I'm married to an amazing husband and have two wonderful kids. And, you know, again, like I said, on paper, I had it all. Except there was one piece of me that was missing. And I didn't realize until one day when my daughter and I were getting ready for like a Sunday outing, she looked at me and she was like, mom, you're so beautiful. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm ugly and fat. And Mm -hmm. that's that aha moment of like, oh my God, this is the key piece of my life that's missing. Like this Mm -hmm. is the self-love. This is the self-worth. I can't even see myself in the same light people do. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't about necessarily beauty or the physical aspect but my mind was just so clouded. Um, And, you know, just being a woman sometimes is really rough. And I don't think we ever get enough credit for the things that we do. But I was managing a full-time job and a large team at Visco, plus managing my life at home with my husband and a wedding photography business that we co-owned together. So it just was a lot. Mm-hmm. I just realized I wasn't taking care of myself at the time. So yeah, GoFitCho became this, basically this like hashtag to document my wellness journey. And one thing led to another. And then in 2016 of fall, I decided to go freelance and full-time with my blog, as well as jump back into school to become a certified health and life coach. So that's where I am now in a nutshell. Um, I still co-own my wedding photography business with my husband and do that on this side. But full-time, I'm an integrative health and life coach. Uh, I am so inspired by you and just (laughs) just what you're up to. And just when you were were talking what came to my mind is this idea as women that I think like as women, we're the ones telling ourselves this story, but like, just as you were saying all that, I was like, how did you, how did you do all that? And no wonder you had no time or space to even think about loving yourself. You're a mom, you're a wife, you're a business owner of a photography business. You, Oh yeah. And then you started Visco, which Oh my gosh. Amazing. And then you're doing this blog. But I think I think of what does it mean to like debunk this idea that like women, the pressure that we as women put on ourselves to like, I need to do all the things. And it seemed like you were trying to do all the things. How did that feel? And how is that working? To be honest, like when I think about it and I think about four years ago when I was trying to do all the things, um, I think I was trying to find my self-worth. Like, I think I was trying to actually find my self-worth in this space Mm. called the universe. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I, I became a mom at 21. And so with that came this narrative that I created in my head that I needed to prove myself to the rest of the world, that I needed to prove like my adultness, so to speak. Um, and so, you know, when I was working at, at, 
uh, at Visco, that was like my first really, really big corporate opportunity. I was a hairstylist before that. And so jumping into this realm of startup life where I was coming from zero nine to five experience, I just felt like I had to prove and hustle that I was worth this role as a director. Um, and on top of all that, when in the first few years of Visco, I was the only woman and the only mother at that company. Wow. And so I think what it was for me was really trying to prove my worth to, you know, this, so to speak, man's world. And let me like backtrack by saying like one of the, the best things about working for Visco was they never saw it that way. And they were not the typical um, man's world company that most of us know um, in that type of startup lifestyle. They were really, really supportive and really, truly amazing. But I did feel like I was on my own island for a while, um, especially being the only mom on the team and uh, the only manager on the team that was managing, um, that was the only woman managing a team actually at Visco for a very long time. So yeah, I think, I think doing all the things is because I was trying to figure out my own self-worth. Yeah. I feel like that's, man, I, I've done that and I can still even struggle with that. Just finding my worth and I matter because what I do, or I matter because how many followers I have or what this person thinks of me. I think it's such an easy thing to get sucked into. Yeah. I think, you know, especially, especially these days with like social media, you can definitely get sucked into this realm of where's my value, um, as it relates to that space or any online space or even workplace really. Yeah. And you talk about, um, I mean, even as you're working full time and now you're freelance, you know, you're married, you're a parent to, you have a teenager, you have, you have, you have a full life going on. And I feel like that is messy or at least I think <laughs> it's really messy. Like, like I want to, you've talked a lot on your social feeds just about like the messiness of marriage and parenting. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that. Oh my God. Uh, the messiness of marriage. So, um, as wedding, as a wedding photographer, you know, I photograph people in love all the time Mm -hmm. and, you know, you kind of see this, I guess, perfect fairy tale. Um, Mm -hmm. and me and John, we've been together for God. I mean, we've been together, actually our 10 year wedding anniversary is coming up in June. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but um, we've been together for a very long time and um, I've never believed in that like picture perfect marriage. And to be honest, I didn't even think I was the marrying type when I was like 17, 18. That just was not something I dreamed about. I did not dream about parenthood. I did not dream about getting married. I did not dream about like white picket fences. Mm. Um, And so, you know, Marriage is messy. And in 2016, uh, I realized that me and my husband were feeling super disconnected. And I wasn't sure why we were feeling super disconnected. But 2016, we were facing the decision of we either get a divorce or we really work through all of our junk right now. And we really try to sort this out. Um, that was probably the first time I went really, really public about kind of our messiness in marriage. And, you know, I, I, I decided to go public with it on a sense of just my social media because it just was consuming me. I mean, 
when your relationship is, is on the rocks, like that's all you can think about. That's all you can do. You worry about it. You cry about it after work. You, you, you fight, you try to solve whatever it is that you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was so overseeing all these like perfect relationships online mm-hmm. and feeling so alone in my own story that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to come out there and say, my marriage is messy and this is where we're at. And here is my truth. And I'm going to make a choice to work on it or maybe not, but I'm coming out because I can't be the only woman alone in this. Yeah. And that was definitely difficult because <laughs> Talking about it not only meant I was talking about myself in a very vulnerable state, but I was putting my husband in a very vulnerable state without his choice either. And I love John so much for the fact that he is not only like my biggest cheerleader, but he is all about transparency too. And so, you know, talking about it was probably our biggest saving grace for our marriage and feeling like we both were not alone. Yeah. I mean... First of all, I just want to acknowledge you for fighting for your marriage and for being honest. I mean, I'm, I'm single and I think something that has been so helpful for me as a single person over the years is when my friends started saying, this is hard. (laughs) And here's why, because I think outside looking in or seeing weddings and Instagram, you see these shiny perfect curated moments. And not to say that those aren't real, but that also it's hard. You have two people coming together that are imperfect and that's going to create friction and tension. And what do we do with that when that happens? Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it was, uh, it wasn't easy (laughs) being Mm -hmm. honest for sure. I remember there are moments, um, coming into work and I still was working at Visco at this time Mm -hmm. and just in tears. And my CEO was like, what's wrong. And the first time I I opened up to him about where my marriage was, and that's really hard to like tell your boss, um, that your marriage is on, uh, is on the rocks, especially when it could affect the way you are as an employee for their company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I'd realized in that was that I have more support than I mm-hmm. think. Um, and I think so often in life, we believe that we're alone in our struggles when the reality is like, you know, I say this all the time. There's 7 billion people on this planet. Like you can, your problems cannot be your only, like you're not the only one with that problem. There's gotta be one other person that can literally say, you know, I hear you, I'm here for you. And I, and I, and I know what you're going through, you know, and I talk about, I talk a lot about that with like parenthood too, because I think in the same light where we can see a very curated version of couples lives, we see a very curated version in motherhood too. And, um, being a mom at 21, like the only role models that I had of parenthood or motherhood were not only people in the media, but like my parents and my parents are immigrant parents. So they definitely had their own story in terms of parenting and their own philosophies in parenting, which, you know, me being born here, like that's, that wasn't my story and that's not the way I wanted to raise my kids. And so, um, you know, again, like we see the, the, this glossy version of 
Pinterest-like meals and Pinterest-like homes and, you know, all this stuff. And then it puts so much pressure on a woman who's trying to just raise their kids in their best ability. And so, yeah, I, I, I often share sometimes like how crappy my kids are being to me online, <laughs> but I still love you. <laughs> And we're still here. Yeah, we're still here. Um, here we go. Here we are. So I'm curious as to, I mean, with your marriage and with parenting, but I want to start with marriage is, you know, what are some of the things that you guys have implemented and practiced in your marriage to work through the junk and work through the mess? Like, I'm just thinking like real practical, like, what does that look like? For you guys, I think the biggest thing was having to listen to the other person objectively and Mm -hmm. to not put our opinions or narratives in play when the other person is expressing their feelings or emotions, especially if they're regarding any hurt feelings or emotions. Um, And, you know, I think oftentimes, um, and this is with any relationship really, like, you know, you 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 come to like a, a disagreement or an altercation whatever that might look like and when the person starts to tell you know their side of the story immediately you get you know, you get on like defense mode and you start kind of arguing against that and talking about your own feelings and how that made you feel. And Mm -hmm. I think what we've had to really practice together was to stop allowing ourselves to tell, to twist the narrative that the other person is saying and to take Mm -hmm. a step back and to remove ourselves from the situation and to really listen to the other person, to really listen to their hurt and their pain and giving them the space um, I think that was the biggest thing for us is, is listening to the other person and allowing them to have the space to truly be honest with their emotions without telling them that their emotions are wrong. Um, that is the, that was the biggest thing I think in our, in our marriage that we came to. And it's funny because it's actually the same way that we parent. And I realized that last night uh, when Olivia was, so my eight-year-old Olivia, it was really cute. She was trying to play Wii and she's never played like Wii sports before. And um, she was giving us an example of how we made her feel by just saying like, here, go just do it. Like, this is how you do it. Here's how, here's how you use the controller or something. And she says, imagine that you're in school and your teacher hands you a piece of paper and you've never done it before. And they just say, just do it. How would that make you feel? And it was like one of those like, moments. yeah, it was one of those <laughs> oh aha moments of like, oh my God, you're so right. <laughs> oh, she mentor me <laughs> <laughs> she needs to just mentor the whole world I'm telling you this little girl of mine is like made of stardust I, I, I learned so much from her and I think that's the other thing about parenthood is like we have to you know one of the things I've learned is like humbling myself as a mom and listening to my kids is, yes. is a big thing. And it's the same thing with like my relationship with, with John and having to work through our junk was humbling ourselves to actually listen to what the other person is saying was a big thing too. Yeah. I mean, so one of the ways that I live my life is this idea that how we show up for one thing is how we show up for everything. And I, I talk about this often, but just this practice of stopping, pausing, listening, giving space for someone else to feel it's, I feel like it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, that, that sounds right. But in the moment when you're like, I'm the parent, like 
I, you do, as I say, like, listen to me that I feel like an actual practice of that is it's one of those theories and ideas that is hard. Like Mm -hmm. humble yourself and listen, man, like if you can do that with your kids and with your spouse, how is that going to benefit you in all the areas of your life? Right. Right. And, and it's funny because I, I, I think, I think I knew this, you know, like, you know, these things like as a, as a people manager, I mean, I, I managed a team for six years at Visco, Right. And so, you know, as a people manager, you're supposed to listen to your team. You're supposed to hit the pause button and listen to their problems to help troubleshoot them. That's your role as a manager. Um, but I think for whatever reason, I didn't want to take that same knowledge into my household for a long time because I didn't want to feel like I was managing my family or my husband and my relationships. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that that practice was so important to do in the household. And it's something that we lacked doing for a very long period of time, which is why our marriage got so messy by 2016. Yeah, man, I'm I'm just grateful that you're willing to be open and, and share about it because I think that's one of the crazy things about when we're going through hard things or we're afraid or we're stuck is we keep that in the dark. And then it just, even what you said a few minutes ago about like our struggles aren't that unique, but when we keep them in the dark and we keep them close to the chest, like it's paralyzing and we're stuck. But when you're actually, like you said, when you are bringing it out in the open, other people, as well as yourself, like, oh, I'm not the only one. And there's other people. And were you able to invite community and other relationships and support into that space for you guys? Yeah. Um, so I went to a retreat in September of 2016 and, uh, me and John had already been going through like therapy for pretty much the nine months of 2016. And I still was hitting that point And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like I, mm. I just was, I mean, I went to that retreat and even, even a couple of days leaving towards, uh, leaving for that retreat, I looked at John and I was like, I need some time. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear from you from this retreat. Like, do not text me. I just, I need space. And you know, that was hard because here I am already coming into this mentality of this retreat. Like, Oh, I don't even know if I'm coming home to a marriage or if I'm going to have to make this decision. I have no clue. Um, these were women that I didn't know from my past. Um, I've never really interacted with at all, but for some reason I felt very safe to just be very open about my marriage and to be very like, here's where I'm at and here's my junk. And, somebody help me or somebody just give me words of encouragement that I'm not crazy, that I'm not failing as a woman because I can't keep my marriage alive. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing because for me, I just felt so much shame that, uh, I, I couldn't like, I, like I couldn't get it. Like I, I just, for some reason it was like, man, you can't get your marriage. Okay. Well then you suck as a woman. Like that, that's the narrative I told myself. Right which is the reason why I didn't want to talk about it to friends or family members, because you just look like a failure if you can't get the basics of listening to one another's needs through your head. And so when I had openly expressed my marriage at this retreat, I felt like the weight lifted off of my shoulders um, regarding these particular issues in my life. And um, mind you, like 
me and John, we never had like nobody cheated on each other. Like it wasn't anything drastic like that. We just were overworked, overtired and not listening and communicating to each other about our personal needs and our wants and our desires anymore. We just were, we were like living life day to day and we stopped connecting with each other. We stopped making the time for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like talking about that was really amazing. And then as I started to share more and more about my marriage online, the the messages I would get from other women of like, just like, thank you. Thank you for being so open about your marriage. I'm, I'm here too. Like I'm at this cross point. What helped you get out of it? What are you doing about it? It was, it was, I mean, like people say like sharing your story can be really cathartic, right? And I think that was like that for me in a sense where sharing this piece of my world that felt so hurtful and I felt so lost and allowed me to see the light because not only did I give space for other women to know that that story was not only like to know that they weren't alone in their own struggles, but they gave me space too by, by me feeling not so alone. And so, yeah, it's been, it was, we're all connected, man. Yeah. <laughs> we're all connected. Oh I love sharing with y'all female-driven companies with a purpose. This week's episode is sponsored by White Rabbit, ethically made, sustainably sourced intimates for everyday life. White Rabbit works with a family-owned manufacturer that employs only women, offers elevated working conditions, and pays fair wages. Their products are made with this luxuriously soft and breathable rayon made from bamboo, which is one of the fastest-growing, less thirsty plants in the world. They also partner with Fabrica Social, a social enterprise based in Mexico City with an incredible mission to drive sustainable economic development by empowering communities of female artisans. They have chic and simple sets on their site, guys. Check them out. My personal favorite is the butt set. It comes with three pairs of panties and this super cute pouch. I love the options White Rabbit has and the quality of product they offer is on point. And on top of that, their commitment to giving back is something I am so aligned with. So check out White Rabbit at www.whiterabbitny, as in New York.com, and use our refined collective promo code RWXWR, which stands for a Refined Woman by White Rabbit, at checkout for 10% off of your first order. Joanne, I love what you have just shared about just this idea of bringing darkness and pain to the light and the the freedom that is in that. And um, you have talked so much and been so open and honest about your health journey and something that... um, we, we chatted about was what, what is the difference between like body positivity and diversity in the health and fitness realm? And I know you've been on your own journey and I would love to hear a little bit about your journey through, you know, we talked about you acknowledging I need to self-love and then you went on this journey and now like where you're at with it. Yeah. So I think I've been through a roller coaster throughout my entire fitness journey. Um, when I first started back in 2014, I guess now in hindsight, like I went pretty extreme with it, meaning that I changed everything about how I was eating. I changed the way that I was moving and I was exercising five, six days a week, as well as like literally taking every single piece of junk away from my diet and eating extremely clean. 
and not necessarily having very many cheat meals throughout the first like 12 weeks. And yes, I lost a ton of weight in the first 12 weeks. I, I, I think I lost about 20 pounds. And on a girl who's 5'2", that's quite a bit. So I went from like 134 to like 112 in 12 weeks. I don't suggest it because it was very hard to do that, to go on such a like like low calorie deficit and to do that extreme. But for me, I think at that time, I needed something that extreme to prove to myself that I could stick to something Um, because exercise was never a part of my life. The last time that I had probably had any sort of regimen of exercise was back in high school during PE. So me at 29, trying to define what health and fitness meant to me, I was like, oh, okay, well, I see every, everybody in the rest of the world is doing this extreme fitness. So in order to lose weight or in order to like be fit, I need to be this extreme person was what I saw. Cause that was mainly the examples that I saw. And, um, throughout my like fitness journey, I did that. And, and then there was this curiosity of like, Oh my God, I lost all this crazy amount of weight. I lost all this baby weight that I thought I could never lose. Um, what if I competed? What if I like did bodybuilding competitions and and what if I can get on stage and, and like do that? And so shortly after I decided to start competing in bodybuilding competitions, I did that for about two years. Um, and so that was really wild and crazy because I did that while trying to work a full-time job. And for anybody who was an athlete, um, in any space, they'll know that any kind of sport is almost like having a full-time job. And so, yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) It was a little crazy. Um, And then I got injured just from over usage of my shoulder. And like, I had a boob job. And so um, I think like, I think because of the healing progress of where the incisions were, they were underneath of my arm. There was just some excessive scar tissue on the right, on the right shoulder or on the right arm, which, which impacted like this over usage of my right shoulder as well from just too much lifting, too much work, too much of trying to do all the things. And mm-hmm. so that injury kind of ended my training of bodybuilding competitions because I just could not train. Um, and work was more important, obviously, since bodybuilding competitions weren't making me any kind of income. They were just for a hobby of mine. So I decided to ditch that. But because of that, I went through a lot of like, I don't want to say um, fluctuations of weight necessarily. Like, yes, I gained some of the weight back that I had lost. But the biggest thing that I was dealing with was regression of progress. And a lot of people, you know, in the fitness industry or even like just other people sharing on Instagram, they don't ever talk about the mental like like the, the mental mind games that happen when you become injured you like looked at yourself as this extremely capable individual that was super strong up for the challenge. Then all of a sudden your body's failing you. And when my body was like, you know what, I'm not going to allow you to do that because I'm just going to decide to become injured. It just was like a heartbreak. I, I definitely remember going through a little bit of, um, depression because of that, because I just felt, I just felt debilitated in my own body, which was difficult. And so, you know, that was like the one piece of 
my fitness journey where it, I almost felt like all the things I'd worked towards like shattered. And, mm-hmm. and then, um, my marriage was having to be something that I needed to focus on. And so that definitely, I would say my, my, my fitness, not necessarily my health, but my fitness had to be put in the back burner because of that, because, you know, working on your marriage and keeping a relationship alive is time consuming and requires a lot of energy. And so throughout all that, uh, throughout the last four years, I've definitely seen my body go through so many changes from being 12% body fat and super lean and in a bodybuilding state to what I like to now refer to as, uh, and this is the words of Brene Brown, but um, strong back, soft front, wild heart. Um, <laughs> and I definitely have a little bit of a soft front, but um I don't know. I I think one of the things that like, like needs to happen in this fitness world and and in the health and health and fitness industry is more examples of what fit needs to look like. Um, Because for me going through all these up and downs and setbacks almost made me feel like, man, nobody is talking about this. So maybe I'm the one who's not figuring out this whole fitness thing also again. But then also on the physical side, it's like all you see as far as like fit fit physiques are these women who have like six packs and who look like an athlete and who are super, super strong. Or you have like the body positive girls who, you know, not, not all, not all of it is like this, but for the most part, they're like our plus size gals. And I love that. I love that they're able to be body positive and they're able to show up and say, Hey, look at me. I love my size, no matter what size it is. But what about the average women who might be a size four to a size eight to even a size 10, who's like, I don't fit in any of that category. I, I look soft, but Hey, I train like any other athlete. I just don't have the body of an athlete or the physical body of an athlete. And I'm also not necessarily the plus size body positive positivity advocate who is out there showing the world what it means to be body positive in their beautiful state too. And so I think the world needs a little bit more body diversity. Um, I don't think it's necessarily body positivity because we are out there screaming about different body types, but I would love to see more body diversity (laughs) as far as like, hey, this is a woman who's a size six. She doesn't have like a six pack or a four pack, but guess what? She trains just as badass as the next person who has a four pack or a six pack um, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. So I love that you have brought this up and this is something that I have felt passionate about too, but I just really haven't known how to approach it because I think what happens in our culture, and I would love to know what you think, is we're a culture of extremism. Mm -hmm. So it's either like the double zero Amazon model or the plus size, size 16, size 18. And I think there's a reality to where like both of those can be beautiful. Like both of those are like, there's like God created us all differently. And I think there needs to be both in the realm. But if we're, if we're going to share this message of like, love the skin you're in and body positivity, then like, what about the rest of us? Um, what about the four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, like in between all of that? And is that beautiful too? And how do we promote that message without saying like, we're not saying that this, the plus size 
movement right now is not amazing. Like I'm so grateful for it and it needs to happen, but we still have some work to do, right? Like there's still more, there's still more that we can do in this arena. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Cause I think I, and it's, and it's funny because you see it happening. Um, you see this messaging happening a lot in, you know, let's say underwear commercials, right. Or like underwear media or even bikini media, but you never see it in like fitness workout clothing. (laughs) Rarely Mm. do you see in fitness workout clothing. And, Mm. you know, it's great that we're seeing it in swimsuits and it's great that we're seeing it in lingerie, but what about the women who are still not comfortable wearing swimsuits or wearing lingerie publicly or with their husbands? And what Mm. if they want to feel as if they're worthy enough in their workout clothes in a sports Mm. bra or shorts or, you know, whatever. And it's like, Yes, I get it. This athletic body is what we are, quote unquote, what what we quote unquote aim for in the fitness realm, but that's not what everybody's aiming for. And maybe sometimes what we're aiming for is to just move our bodies and to be happy with it. And if we don't have enough examples of what that looks like in the fitness world, I don't know if we're ever going to really be able to have that. You know, so yeah, body diversity is like something that so is so needed in in that space. Well, you are living this message, and I am it's so encouraged by it, and it it is a breath of fresh air to me. The just what you're putting out there and what you're creating, um, you are being that. Like you are inviting another conversation. You're saying yes, body positivity matters. Being healthy, I love myself, but let's let's create more space for more women. And I just I'm grateful that you're doing it, and it inspires me to want to keep talking about this. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Yeah, um, as welcome. we as as we kind of end the episode, there's a few questions that I am asking all of my amazing guests. So are you ready? Yep. Okay. What are three things that you are obsessed with right now? Oh, okay. So currently obsessed with matcha lattes. Um, totally obsessed with that. Um, I'm currently obsessed with my new house. <laughs> okay. And um, I am currently also obsessed with plants <laughs> right now. You uh, I, I could spend like, it, I shouldn't, but I could spend like thousands and thousands of dollars on plants. And so I, I refuse to go into any nurseries right now because I could just, it's, it's so bad. (laughs) I get it. I've become like a plant lady. (laughs) What is like your, what is your plant that you love? Or if there's like someone that's like, I can't keep a plant alive. Like, and it's, what would you tell them to get? That's like not a succulent. Like uh, step up. Yeah. Um, I think a snake plant. I've, I've learned that. Um, and I don't know the technical name of them because I'm just barely getting into plants, but um, it looks like a snake coming out from its mm-hmm. pot. Um, I hear that those are very, very easy to take care of. Um, and so, yeah, they don't require they don't require direct sunlight, which is awesome. You can put them in the sun, uh, for a few hours during the week and that's pretty much okay. But indirect sunlight in your home is perfectly awesome for them. Gosh, love it. Love, love the plant advice. I'm staring right now at my Ivy plant. It's (laughs) it's my source of my my source of pride. It's like the first thing I didn't kill. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. We are like, it's our house is about to get crazy with plants. I feel like sometime soon. (laughs) Love it. Um, all right. So what do you wish you would, you could tell your younger self? 
Oh man. Um, so many things. Um, this is a hard one. Uh, <laughs> I think what I could tell my younger self and the younger one being the one who's 21 and just becoming a mom, um, is to don't worry about being perfect. Don't worry about perfecting, you know, you as a mom and don't worry about having the perfect life because your kids don't know any other life than the one that you give them. Mm, That's good. Um, And then just the last question, I feel so passionate that all of us are leaders. And when I say all of us, I don't just mean you, myself. I think all humans are leaders because we are living and breathing and each of us have a sphere of influence. And I believe that each of us have stories in our lives that like want to be told. So my last question for you is what is the story you want to invite others into? Like AKA, what's your vision for yourself and the world around you? Oh man, um, that's a, you have these like, questions that like tug on the heartstrings. <laughs> um, I just want someone to cry, you know? <laughs> I'm about to cry. Um, I think the vision that I have for the world is one that leads with honesty and vulnerability um, and empathy and compassion. And I think the moment that we are able to give space for others to really just like be, um, and not just, and, and I don't want to say be themselves because people are still trying to figure what that is, but mm-hmm. just to be, just to live, just to feel as if they can take up space in the world. I think that's ugh, like, I, we would all be able to live relentlessly if that's the case. So yeah, mm-hmm. to me, I think it's just finding, finding honesty and compassion, empathy, and courage to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Courage to be it too. Um, I think that is like such a great like end note. I think I know I struggle so much in my own life with the idea of like being versus doing. I'm a real good doer. You give me a task, I will execute it. You give me expectations, I will meet them. You give me a job, I will complete it. But the idea of being, like when you said just to give space others for others to be... Yeah. That is, that's hard. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 that is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Joanne, thank you so much for sharing your heart and leading with vulnerability. And you are living your vision. You are leading with honesty and vulnerability and you're giving space for others to be. And I'm grateful to know you. I'm grateful for the message you're sharing and more, most importantly that you're living it, like you're living it out. Um, so thank you for, thank you for being on the podcast this week, girl. Oh, thank you. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for this. I'm so honored to be a part of your podcast. Mm, Thanks girl. Wow. Well, I am so just honored to have Joanne on the podcast today. I hope you guys get to listen and re-listen to her story. What I just cannot stop thinking about is this idea that we get to lead with honesty and vulnerability and give space for others to be. Because aren't we 
all in a process? Aren't we all in a journey? And aren't we all just dying for that permission to be ourselves and live honestly? So Joanne, your message is powerful. And for those of you who want to follow her, which you all should, she is a freaking baller. Um, GoFitJoe.com is her website. You can find her on Instagram, GoFitJoe. And y'all... You can follow our journey on Instagram at The Refined Woman, our website, therefinedwoman.com for show notes, other features and interviews, and a deeper look into our tribe. Find us on iTunes, The Refined Collective. Subscribe, rate, review, and leave us some love. Join me next time. And thank you so much for listening. And one last thing, in case you ever forget, you are not alone. Your story matters and you belong here. 